This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, June 23, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Capitalists, those who deliver value to consumers in hopes of earning a profit, have got their messaging all wrong. That from Whole Foods founder and CEO John Mackey. Mackey says that free markets and private property deliver incredible value to the world. So why don't defenders of free markets seize the moral high ground? The for-profit sector uh, has been basically branded or stereotyped by its enemies, its critics, as fundamentally uh, uh, selfish and greedy and only interested in, in making money, only interested in profits. And of course, businesses have to make profits, and profits are a good thing. This is, uh, and yet, that's not necessarily why business exists. I mean, business exists to create value for other people. And through exchanging that value they create, goods and services, then the person that's exchanging is making a profit or they wouldn't make the trade, and the business that's creating the products or services is also making a profit as well. Profit is a good thing. But that's not necessarily why it exists. And unfortunately, it's been stained as only selfish and greedy and uh, as if somehow or another that exists only in business and doesn't exist in other sectors of our society. Sure, they're bad actors in business, but they're bad actors in, in politics, in law, in medicine, in education, and all the other areas. So what do you think explains the reputation that business people have in America? You pointed out that investors, even investors, only view uh, in very small numbers CEOs to be trustworthy. I think it's, I mean, I don't, I can speculate on why that is the case, but I don't necessarily know for sure. It's, I would say that historically, uh, tradesmen and merchants have been looked down upon. They have, and, and my study of history shows that business people were never, uh, or almost, almost never uh, considered, they were looked down upon by kings and aristocrats and uh, people who saw work and trade and commerce is sort of beneath them and not a good thing. So, and then the intellectuals, uh, uh, part of their disdain, I think, is possibly driven by envy because they decide they're smarter than these tradesmen, these commoners, and, uh, and yet they have, the business people have more money. It drives them crazy. I think a lot of the thing that fuels people, the intellectuals' hatred of inequality in money is their own sense of envy that they don't have enough. They deserve more. That's sort of the Robert Nozick argument. That I agree with it. And in, the, in, a, in a capitalistic society, the intellectuals do not have the status in that society that they believe they deserve to have. In a more socialistic uh, society or one that's more governmental controlled, intellectuals, they will run the levers of the society and the economy. And so they have uh, more importance. And more importantly, the business people, uh, they're cut down a couple of pegs. You talked a little bit about how government uh, has bad incentives uh, in operating and dealing with business. What have been the specific challenges to the growth uh, and success of Whole Foods uh, that you've dealt with and witnessed when it comes to dealing with the government? I mean, to be honest, most of the challenges Whole Foods has, I mean, we have competitive challenges to be sure, but it has been the public sector, the government that, I mean, 
The food business is incredibly highly regulated. It's regulated. Our uh, food safety, of course, is regulated. That may be one that is most defensible. But we're regulated now in terms of all these different working conditions, all retailers, all, 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 and now there are all these minimum wage laws that are coming effect in these different cities that are above the national wages. You see, um, so you have all types of employment uh, legislation regarding discrimination, regarding uh, civil rights. Uh, uh, you're oftentimes you can be sued, for example, if you. Uh, don't have the right ethnic diversity mix in your base of employees. And yet, of course, it, and if you fire someone that's in a protected class based on if they have a different, different uh, ethnic background or potentially different gender, uh, you can be sued and you're basically sort of guilty until you can prove your innocence in those cases. So it's, it's more difficult to... to to run the business. Now, Whole Foods, we've been uh, investigated by the FTC, has tried to block mergers, calling us a monopoly. We've been investigated by the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, for possible insider trading laws, which were dismissed as nonsense. So there's been, um, and I think back now that so many of our challenges and problems have been, I mean, of course, the IRS I mean, people don't realize that a big corporation like Whole Foods Market that makes a lot of money, we're, we're audited every year. Make no mistake about it. We, we have auditors that are in there absolutely every single year. Because that's, you know, it's, they once said where uh, they asked uh, uh, one of the you know, Jesse James, or it wasn't Jesse James, but some famous gangster who uh, robbed banks. And it was like, well, why do you rob banks? And, they, and he said, well, that's because that's where the money is. John Dillinger, I think. Don, John Dillinger. Why do you rob banks? Because that's where the money is. Well, why do you audit? If you ask the IRS, why do you audit corporations like Whole Foods every year? And the answer is because that's where the money is. Uh, so governmental, uh, you deal with it, you adapt to it. At least all your competitors have the same type of, uh, of uh, uh, handicaps that an onerous and overburdensome government creates for business. In fact, a lot of big businesses actually enjoy it because it makes it more difficult for small businesses to compete with them. They're, I mean, like uh, take Sarbanes-Oxley is keeping a lot of companies from going public. And their, their exit more often is to sell out to bigger corporations because the cost of complying with the regulations is so high that they choose not to stay independent. I don't, I don't think that's good for our society. You made a pretty provocative statement in your talk today, which was uh, that the for-profit sector has uh, delivered more value by an order of magnitude than all governments and nonprofits combined. And, and I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it is true. It's just, if you think about it, it's just common sense. Where does the government get their money? Government gets their money. Ultimately, it gets it from the for-profit sector. There is no other source for it. I mean, uh, even where does the nonprofits get their money from? It comes from donations. Again, the wealth is produced. All of the wealth is produced 
the financial wealth is ultimately produced by the for-profit sector. Now, that's not to say that the nonprofit sector and the governmental sector don't do good and valuable things, but they're ultimately dependent upon the value that the for-profit sector uh, creates. I mean, if you think about, for example, the when Barack Obama was saying, you didn't build that, and that... Uh, that we did all this stuff together and, and therefore you're not really entitled to think of yourself as special or even to have more money or I mean because you did this on government roads or you uh, you had to deal with some type of uh, something that the government produced some of some of your activities touched yes. government resources but of course the no one said it but the appropriate response was and where did the mo- government get the money to build the roads that came from business. It came from the taxes that individuals who were employed by business or businesses themselves produce. All wealth ultimately comes back to the for-profit sector. And by the way, that's why humanity's mostly been poor throughout most of history, because there was not much economic freedom. Capital was not allowed to be accumulated. It was routinely confiscated. A great example of this historically, or two great examples, are the persecution we saw towards Jews and the persecution we saw towards the Chinese in the East. The great business people in these cultures were harassed, they were envied, their money was taken, and they were run out of country after country after country. Several years ago, you had, I think sort of a, among libertarians at least, sort of a famous argument with Milton Friedman about uh, the purpose of business, the demands of business. What do you think is the hardest sell from your perspective to libertarians when you, tr- when you pitch this uh, idea that you lay out in your book, Conscious Capitalism? I mean, I think, I'm, I think the first thing a business uh, libertarian, when I put some of these arguments forth, is that, uh, remember, I'm challenging their own paradigms as well. People don't like to change their minds. They don't like to shift their paradigm. And a lot of libertarians have come to a paradigm of, yes, it is selfish and it is greedy. But those are good things. That's how you manage. Greed is good. Uh, Ayn Rand's The Virtue of Selfishness. Uh, so a lot of libertarians have come to this point of saying that, so what? This is how the world makes progress. Get over it. Buck up. And uh, what they don't understand is, is that they've already conceded to the enemies of capitalism the high moral ground. That's a huge mistake. You don't want to be making your argument that greed is good and selfishness is good, you're never going to convince very many people. So in some sense, your, your problem is with how libertarians tend to brand what is essentially profit. Like, libertarians often have a narrow view of what constitutes a profit. Yes, and libertarians are too... They've already conceded the moral high ground, and they don't want to fight for it by basically arguing that the critics are right, Karl Marx was right, Business people are greedy, and they are selfish, but that's good. So they want to turn it on its head and say, and I understand why somebody like Ayn Rand made that argument, because making money and profits are good. Those are good things. It's, but selfishness and greed are ec- excess of what is, when an Aristotelian model would be seen as excess, gone past the... The, the golden mean, and therefore not good. And greed itself is not good, but profit is good, because profit is fairly earned through voluntary exchange. I just think that libertarians resist 
changing their paradigm, even though their paradigm is not working and not not converting people or winning people over to the cause of freedom. So your argument to libertarians might be, uh, as as you presented here today, focus on value creation yes. as an argument to present to the public. I use yes, I use the analogy that the professions make a lot of money. Doctors, uh, they're very wealthy in our society. They're good value creators. The purpose of a doctor isn't to make money. The purpose of a doctor, and I'm not saying they're not greedy doctors who only care about money, but that's not the medical profession. The medical profession is about healing people. That is its ideology. Whether people live up to it all the time is a different question, but that is how they brand themselves in the world, as doctors are here to help you. They're here to help you heal. And teachers educate, and architects design buildings, and engineers construct Every business refers back to some kind of value creation that they're doing in the world. They need to tell the story of value creation and get away from motivation. Motivation, this idea that nonprofits and government are public servants and serving the greater good, it's not true necessarily. It's oftentimes not true, but it's a good branding. Well, business needs to adopt that strategy as well and talk about the value creation that business is doing to make the world a better place. I just think that is just like marketing branding 101. I'm surprised most business people don't get it. John Mackey is a founder and CEO of Whole Foods Market. We spoke at the Voice and Exit Conference in Austin, Texas, held this weekend. You can learn more about the moral case for free markets at our website, cato.org.